Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday, one day before the start of the conservative political Super Bowl known as CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, run by the American Conservative Union. Yesterday, you heard Matt Schlapp talk about what's coming, who's going to be there, what are the issues, what are the themes, what are the dialogues that are going to happen here in Washington, D.C., Today, we're going to take you on a little bit of a different journey. We're going to talk a little bit about national security because there is a lot of big developments going on in the world today. A big revelation from the House Foreign Affairs Committee in the last 12 hours that the Biden administration, through one of its Commerce Department entities, approved $23 billion of licenses. That means licenses to import to foreign countries, sensitive technologies from the United States, all $23 billion of these Dollars of these licensees went to companies that were on the blacklist for America, meaning the do not trade list in America. Not really good to have a security list if you don't use that blacklist to stop important technology from going through. A lot of questions about that. Chairman McCall from Texas, who oversees that committee, had some pretty strong words about it. Today, we're going to bring in a perfect guest to help us referee that. Dustin Carmack was the chief of staff to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence back when the DNI was John Ratcliffe. John Ratcliffe, of course, the guy that released a lot of those Russia collusion documents that finally, finally gave us the truth about Russia collusion. He's going to be here to help us understand that, the Russia-Ukraine war, what's going on there. Is China getting too close? What happened at the big China? China threat hearing yesterday in the House where a lot of education went on and a lot of tough words were going on. So we're going to have a great start to the show there. Then we're going to pivot to COVID-19 because there's been these big revelations, first from the Energy Department, then last night from FBI Director Chris Ray. More and more of the United States government is coming clean and telling us that the most likely origin for the COVID-19 virus was not natural evolution, as Dr. Anthony Fauci has tried to sell us, but rather from a lab leak accident in Wuhan, China. The FBI director said that last night. We broke that story pretty quickly here at Just the News. And of course, over the weekend, there was the Department of Energy making a similar assessment. We're going to ask Dustin about that, but then we're going to turn to a very important voice. I think he's one of the most sage voices 
in the public health space. Dr. Harvey Risch from the Yale School of Public Health is here and he'll help us walk through so many of the reversals. It feels like we're back to 2020 and all the things that we were told were conspiracy theories turned out to be true and all the things that people were told that were true have turned out to be inaccurate or not fully vetted. And I think even this morning, we had a great story on Just the News about a Washington Post article that literally lampooned Senator Tom Cotton for asking questions about the lab leak theory. They called him a fringe theorist, a conspiracy theorist. They called him debunked. All three of those weren't true. And very quietly, without calling much attention to it, the Washington Post put a big correction up. Good to see that. But we want to amplify that because most Americans didn't see the admission by one of America's most influential newspapers that it was flat out wrong, as so many news organizations, the New York Times and others were as well. So we're going to start the day with Dustin Carmack. Then we're going to turn to Dr. Harvey Risch, a man who had so much of the COVID-19 origins and solutions, right? So much of his thinking is now the prevailing thinking, but at one point it was the, like Dr. J. Bhattacharya in Stanford, it was banned thinking. It was a ridiculed thinking. We're going to hear from him. And then we'll finish up with one of our new sponsors who's got a great program going to help small businesses collect tax credits they may not know they're entitled to. It's called the Earned Retention Credit for Keeping Employees, or the Employee Retention Credit for Keeping Employees During the Pandemic. Our good friends and brand new sponsors at Consumer Tax Advocate are going to join us. Jason Brown, one of the partners there, he's going to join us and explain how you can find out if your company's entitled to this money. It could be up to twenty-six dollars or $28,000 per employee you kept hired during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021. And they've set up this incredible website, COVID taxrelief.org, covidtaxrelief.org, very simple. Go check it out, find out and see if they're qualified, if you're entitled to it. A really good opportunity to learn about that in the third block of this show. So we're going to start with national security. We're going to pivot to the pandemic and we're going to finish up with a potential tax relief opportunity for you and your company back to back to back here on the Wednesday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We'll take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll kick off the day with Dustin Carmack, former chief of staff to the office of the director of national intelligence right after this. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way 
nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick house nutrition and of course field of greens all you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news that's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com don't wait go to fieldofgreens.com today use the promo code just news for 15 percent off all right folks welcome back for the commercial break our next guest knows a lot about national security he once served as the chief of staff to the office of the director of national intelligence under john ratcliffe during that time that's when we got a lot of those russian collusion documents that finally got the american public the truth before that he's worked for many years in congress and currently he's a research fellow for cybersecurity, intelligence and emerging technologies border security at the Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation, where we have so many great experts. He's our good friend, Dustin Carmack, and he joins us right now. Dustin, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, great to be with you, John. It is really fascinating to watch the last few months. I think it started with Mark Warner, maybe back in November, when he said, hey, Donald Trump was right, TikTok's a problem, and increasingly, almost on a daily basis now, more and more Democrats are sounding the alarm on China just a few short years after claiming anyone in the Trump administration who did so was either xenophobic or racist or conspiratorial. Big, big moments this week. The FBI director last night telling Fox News, uh, FBI assesses that it's likely that the COVID-19 virus emanated from a lab leak in Wuhan, something we were told was a conspiracy theory. We've had lots of Democratic governors and now even the administration ban TikTok. The turnaround on China is really enormous. And yet it comes from a president who just in 2019 looked in the camera and said, China's not the enemy. It's not our competition. They're no threat to us. Why the big reversal? Yeah, I mean, you know, this kind of move on on this analytical line, I mean, this is something that D&I Ratcliffe has talked about, you know, here recently, and, and I'm right there with them, is that we always kind of imagine this, this line trend would move this direction. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, line up with kind of the, the, the media or DC Beltway pundit crowd. Uh, that essentially demagogued anybody or, or Senator Cotton or others who said, hey, you know, <laughs> this could be a possibility in the past. And then so I, now that you're seeing the, the Bureau and, and of course, uh, the Department of Energy has, has reported, you know, moving their lines on this, I think you're going to continue to see this. And I'm, I'm surprised, you know, now that it's been two or three years. I mean, the thing is, we always kind of imagine that, you know, evidence and intelligence would trickle in possibly, you know, you go through dry periods and then you change. You know, I'm surprised when now everybody's trying to pull – pour cold water over the Bureau or the, uh, the energy's assessment on this, you know, why 
the CIA, you know, for example, hasn't, you know, changed its analytical line or what intelligence have they gotten in the last two or three years? Because I can promise you it's probably not been a cold, cold route. And so um, those are kind of some of the curious, interested areas that I have going forward. Yeah, I think that the new versions of intelligence, whatever's come in, that's further accentuated the picture that the Trump administration accurately gave at the time, I think is going to be really valuable. We went back and looked at some of the media coverage, which, by the way, even still today is still trying to stamp out the lab leak theory. The AP has a story this morning saying, well, the talk of it now is spawning conspiracy theories, and it fails to mention, fails to mention even the FBI director's very clear statement last night. The media has really doubled down all throughout this on the Fauci line. Long term, if the media doesn't get on board, what is the danger uh, for the American people if they don't get to really fully appreciate China's role in the pandemic? One, you want to prevent the next pandemic. I mean, and, and two, you know, for, you know, the media class echo chamber, follow the science and everything that Anthony Fauci says is, you know, the gospel uh, when in fact, you know, through his own emails and other reporting and, and what folks were doing at NIH, they essentially were playing CYA throughout this process. And, and that's, you know, damaging from what the fundamental fact is Americans want transparency. I mean, you know, we're not telling you to say, that, you know, the, the sky is blue and, you know, what we're saying is, you know, you want to understand where all the deck chairs currently are and, and say what you don't know either. So, if you, you know, maybe you think something, but there's something, you know, same way as I think about this analytical line when it comes to this, you know, sometimes it's just as important to understand what you don't have intelligence on or what you don't see and what you don't understand uh, versus, you know, standing up at the mic and, and beating down people's throats that you have to understand, you, you have to believe this because, Research changes, science changes, you know, and, and our understanding of how the virus, you know, operated and moved and, and affected people changed. And so, you know, it's important for us going forward that on, the, on just the transparency side, you want people to have trust that the institutions are giving it to them um, unbiased. There was a fun reversal. We went back and took a look at the original Washington Post article that derided Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas back in the early 2020 timeframe for fanning a fringe theory, a conspiracy theory, and it called him debunked. And it had a remarkable, they didn't call much attention to this, but atop it, they did a correction that basically retracted all those statements saying there was no evidence then or now to call it a conspiracy theory or to say his concerns were debunked. So there's been quiet but meaningful reversals, unfortunately, because of the way they've been done. No one knows that the original storylines had been false. You have to dig them out quietly. But we had one of those today. Now we take a look at some of the actions that are out there. There was a speech by Matt Olson, the head of the counterintelligence division at the Justice Department. And he said, hey, we need to renew a lot of the Patriot Act powers like Section 702 surveillance because we have a big threat. And that big threat is China. And I'm asking myself, okay, this is the same department that just a, f a year ago canceled the China Initiative, which was the FBI's best program at rooting out spies that were hidden by China in American academia. There seems to be a conflict in the way Joe Biden and his team work sometimes and the rhetoric they give when the budget requests come in. How do we close that gap and what is the gap really caused by? Well, this just goes to... You know, the fundamental fact, and this is in multiple buckets throughout this administration of kind of this Jekyll and Hyde approach of where you have, uh, I think some people in the administration definitely understand the challenge of China, the, the, the threat of China, uh, and then you have others 
that, you know, kind of quietly are trying to undermine different routes of it or, or placate to parts of the left, again, that you said, you know, you know, essentially skewered anything the Trump administration did under when AG Sessions announced a lot of these, uh, that it was xenophobic and racist and you're targeting academic campuses. But when, in fact, we know the Chinese are, are, are promoting all kinds of different espionage campaigns, if not, you know, police stations in New York City. Um, and so, it, you know, again, you can't square those away. But, I mean, but, you know, he's going to have to come back around to the fact that if this is going to be their um, one of their major cases for 702, which I actually agree with, you know, in terms of 702's authorities, uh, being a positive uh, standpoint, use especially to fight uh, the threat of China for a multitude of reasons, if it be cyber or espionage, um, you're going to have to square away with your previous statements and, and, and responsibilities that you deliver to your Department of Justice and the smoke signals you send to field offices down the way that, that I think see this threat. Yeah, you do, because it sends a mixed message. When you do so, you say one thing and you do another thing, and people are like, hey, what's going on? And well, which is it? Is it serious or is it not serious? While the Biden administration often has sent mixed messages, the states, a lot of states are beginning to step up to the plate. Christy Nome has several initiatives, the first governor in to ban TikTok on devices. Now everybody's done that, including belatedly and reluctantly, the Biden administration announced that yesterday on federal devices. And then there's also efforts to keep foreign ownership of farmland, to stop foreign ownership of land around military installations. It seems like the founding fathers' concept of federalism is alive and well, and it's the states that may be more aggressively leaning into the China threat than even our own federal government. What are you seeing at the state level? I think that's a, it's, it's a great, uh, refreshing experience. I mean, you know, coming from my old boss, you know, when he was in con then Congressman DeSantis or, or Congressman Ratcliffe, I mean, these were guys that actually preached, you know, that this was where, you know, the founders wanted this to be, where, and I think it's a, it's a good coinciding fact that they can put pressure on the broader federal nexus uh, that either through bureaucratic malaise or inability to, to do something proactively in Congress, are taking the lead and it forces them either into executive action or at least Congress to pay closer attention to these from an oversight perspective. And so, you know, if it's what, you know, Christy Nome has done or Greg Abbott in Texas or my old, like I said, DeSantis, I think has really done, a, you know, I, I, I'm a very big personal fan because I think he, he has elevated these issues to where it gets into the national discourse and that forces the administration and the media echo chamber class to have to answer tough questions that they weren't asking otherwise. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a great point. It's funny, the DeSantis's and the Abbott's and the Christy Gnomes and the Kevin Stitts, they're all leading in a more assertive way, kind of the way the public wants things to be done. You see the polling, polling shows that Americans understand the China threat really well, but they also see that the states are going faster than the federal government, which is probably a little bit reassuring for those who, people who live in those states. I want to ask about what I think is one of the most important transactions that occurred that almost no one's known. I, I follow your Twitter and you do such a good job of highlighting this, but the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Chairman McCall's committee, is questioning some $23 billion of tech license transfer licenses that the Biden administration through the BIS, which is one of those alphabet soup agencies at the Commerce Department, the Bureau of Industry and Security, they approved $23 billion of tech licenses, which transfer technology 
to blacklisted companies, many of them in China. Again, another contradiction. Hey, we're, we got to take the China set th- threat seriously. Oh, we just gave $23 billion of sensitive technology to China. What's going on? How big a deal is this BIS licensing transfer? This is huge. I, you know, this was a, that was $23 billion, my understanding. It was under over a three month time span. <laughs> you know, so that number is more eye popping. I mean, an eye watering. And so, yeah, I'm really curious to dig into the details of the exact, uh, you know, money that was going out the door and in the approvals process and understanding. And I know McCall and the Foreign Affairs Committee are kind of undertaking a 90 day review, a really a, a roto rooter exercise on BIS because as much as most people probably have no idea what the Bureau of Industry and Security is, uh, it is a fundamentally important animal right now to be able to tackle this China challenge. And if you're going to have blacklists and things that everybody, you know, sends out press releases, oh, we're, we're taking this hard line edge, but then you're finding all these loopholes or people are still approving these uh, unabatedly, then something's not working. And, and that even goes broadly more into, like, the CFIUS you know, in the case of like North Dakota, uh, the Grand Forks Air Force Base facility, they, they they determined that the base was only you know 12 miles versus 10 miles outside. So the, therefore, it set outside the CFIUS rigs as it was prescribed, and the Grand Forks Air Base wasn't included in the national security appendix. So they didn't review it after months and months of everybody being like, well, this is probably not a good idea. So you know, it shows you that. You know, maybe not to for a malicious intent, but there's the bureaucratic malaise, or the institutions are not fundamentally uh, and holistically tackling this challenge. And I'm glad to see that the the Hill is shining light on that. Yeah, such an important issue, and and he's really the first chairman to call attention to it. And of course, you've done some good work. I love what you said and mentioned on Twitter because I do think that this is it's these avenues that China in its slow patient way exploits every time right they get another tra- technology transfer they get another person embedded in the, an academic institution because the FBI is not watching anymore they get another sale of a company like Hunter Biden facilitated when he transferred Henages the automaker that made sensitive fighter jet parts uh, they keep chipping away at our security and every time, a bureaucrat, either through intention or through neglect, fails to stop it. China gets another leg up on us. And it, it seems like that we're not a, as attuned as we were just a couple of years ago. When your boss, John Ratcliffe, was in the DNI, when the president was President Donald Trump, the focus on China was consistent, relentless, and there was always progress towards cutting it back. This administration seems to have a very confused, muted, contradictory response. Do you think Joe Biden has taken the China threat serious enough based on his actions? It's, you know, I, I think it's schizophrenic at times. I mean, it, it's like they, they want it both ways. And I think because he's hearing from different pieces of advice uh, on different sides of his cabinet. And I think, you know, maybe he to an extent understands it, but they want to kind of have this green eye shade theory that I think that like the Obama administration had when it came to the Iran GCPOA deal, where it's kind of like, well, you know, if we go, you know, enter through these negotiations or we can get, you know, she into a place where we feel like we can have this dialogue of strategic, you know, competition, uh, and Blinken and others. I mean, look how fast that Anthony Blinken was running to the sidelines in Munich trying to talk to the Chinese to try to kind of calm down tensions after the Chinese balloon, uh, when, when he should have been, you know, call, you know, spending all this time calling it out and, and, you know, really laying down the line about this going forward. And so they've contradict each other because they they really want to get back into this, you know, thinking that this diplomatic approach 
uh, which, like I said, I'm not going to downplay that diplomacy is not important because it is. But you also have to understand the animal, you know, uh, from the that you're playing with on the other side, and understand what their motivations are and their tactics. And the Chinese don't play fair in this space. They they use the international uh, organizations, uh, the UN or the WHO, and so. We need to stop treating it as like it's going to be a vehicle to get them to act like uh, real arbiters of, of peace in this space. Yeah, such a great point. Something that we got to get more consistency on. I, when I talk to a lot of world leaders in the last six months, they're confused by where the Biden administration is on everything, uh, but particularly China. And I think we're heading into a more perilous time where clarity would be a great benefit to allies and adversaries. <laughs> alike and we're not getting it regularly. What do you think as you look out, Dustin, over the next six months, what is the most important foreign policy issue we should be watching? Is it Ukraine, Russia? Is it China and Taiwan particularly? There's a lot of rumbling on that. What should we be on the top of, you know, everyday Americans list for security concern? You know, I actually think in terms of the, you know, it's kind of this nuance, but, you know, really figuring out what our defense industrial base and supply chains look like in the long term. I mean, regardless if, if you care about what's happening in Russia, Ukraine, and weapon systems, uh, or you care about, you know, what we're doing to support the Taiwanese to possibly, you know, have to you know, self-defend their island or, or have the U.S., you know, have the capability to try to deter that, uh, we are not where we need to be. Uh, and that's just something that I think Congress has to really get a, gra- a gripple with and, um, it's, it's something that, you know, it, it's, it's minutia and detail oriented in terms of like trying to figure out how, uh, to return defense industrial base items or supply chains back to the United States. And you know, it's not just a money issue. I mean, a lot of times it's, it's caught up in red tape and dumb things. So, you know, again, uh, it's kind of a nuanced view of a, a big problem, but it, it, it intertwines with every other major problem that we have going forward. And it's something that if we don't start moving quickly on now, it, you know, it's going to be hellish, you know, in the case of a conflict either in Europe or in the South Pacific. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you're right. It takes a while for that battleship to turn around, the, the supply chain battleship. But it could be our most important weapon long term, because if we have to take economic sanction action against uh, China, we have to be able to assure ourselves that we won't lose out on the supply lines that are matter, like pharmaceuticals, health equipment, batteries and the minerals for batteries. Are you encouraged? Yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the China threat hearing last night, but it seemed like the initial story was told pretty well to the American public last night. Where is the next place to go in this very important debate? Yeah, I'm really curious to see where uh, you know, Chairman Gallagher and that committee goes. I think they've got some really talented staff and, and people, that, and to an extent, bipartisanly with Ro Khanna and others who I think need to unpack this, you know, idea of, you know, uh, you know, the trade imbalance, you know, in terms of, you know, we're at all time high with trades with China. Um, and, but looking into these strategic areas and where, you know, venture capital, you know, still is just uh, high to the tilt on wanting access to the Chinese markets with no worries or cares about the national security ramifications. And what can we actually do that's smart, that uh, doesn't, uh, create you know, market vulnerabilities, but at the same time tackles that challenge. And I think those are really intricate fields that have to be unpacked. It's hard to do, but I think 
shining light on those for and shining light on a lot of what Wall Street does um, to essentially, you know, support, you know, the CCP um, is something that, you know, states are, I think, are tackling again. Like what I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, what, like, you know, DeSantis is doing out in Florida, pushing, you know, uh, Chinese-related, you know, equities and stuff out of their of their um, pension funds. But, I mean, that needs to be more done broadly, I think, across, you know, the broader picture and, and force Wall Street into a box. The Trump administration was starting to move in that direction. Obviously, the Biden administration took a little bit of that pressure off. But there was this fascinating report that the House Intelligence Committee did before Devin Nunes left the committee. And it identified some of the American companies that had really provided enormous economic benefit to China and its military industrial establishment. That seems like a good place for Republicans to go, right? And again, we're not trying to shame American companies and that we're trying to kill their business, but we want to make sure that at the end of the day, they don't take transactions that maybe help their bottom line short term, but hurt America's security long term. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of discussions about that really well done report since it came out. Is that a good roadmap? Should the Congress and the Biden administration focus on having a really serious conversation with the the big U.S. middlemen in China to make sure that their investments align with our security? Absolutely. And I, I don't sympathize because I think a lot of people were kind of hoodwinked over the course of the last 20 years about that, you know, again, you know, back to the WTO and everything else in terms of getting the Chinese in that they would change their behavior. Um, but now they've essentially like, you know, you're not going to be able to reinvent the, th- you know, three million plus people that uh, put together an iPhone in, in China overnight. But you're seeing these slow trickles where Apple's announcing, hey, we're moving this operation to Vietnam or we're going to move some of this facility back to Texas. Those, of course, contain costs. But two, now I think the government can be a, a, you know, a quiet hand because the problem is all those companies that are so interlocked now, if they try to, you know, rapidly move their supply chains out of China, that's going to come, of course, with very close notice of the CCP, and they could be essentially, you know, in like a blunt force instrument, affected very quickly. So I get, I don't sympathize, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that they can just sit there and be like, throw their hands up and say, well, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. So that's that balance. I think that, you know, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to happen between the two sides and say, like, okay, how can we help incentivize and move these things to, you know, friendshoring, looking for opportunities to engage in places like Africa and South America where the Chinese are hyperactive in trying to make investments and trying to steer those governments away from the United States and the Western, you know, alliances and move in and say, like, hey, how can we, you know, how can this be a helpful hand to everybody in this effort? Yeah, such wise advice. And, and it, it's a chess game and we have to play it maybe a little bit better than we've played it the last uh, two years. Last question for you, because I think a lot of people are wondering the short and long-term consequences of this. Iran, Russia, and China clearly are playing closer together than they have in a very long time. A lot of people say the Biden policies and the way they sort of haltingly have supported the Ukraine were often being pushed in by our allies, not by our own values. Is there a danger to the way this Ukraine war plays out where we created a super alliance of our worst enemies, uh, our worst adversaries, I should say, as a result of this? And if we're headed in that direction, what could be a smart disruption strategy so that China, Russia and Iran suddenly don't sew together an alliance against us? Yeah, I see you. some of the calls for that. I, I'm not as bullish on that because there's always been this weird I love that with Verizon. between China and Russia. Um, and, you know, they've kind of, you know, played footsie with each other over the years. Um, 
And but I still think that there is concern with inside the CCP of exactly what Vladimir Putin's doing right now. And so yes, I think in the short term, are they trying to kind of play this as a a geopolitical chessboard fiddle uh, to annoy the United States or, 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 or get us worried. But I think there's ways to say to deliver clear lines. Uh, you know, I hate to use that, you know, because, that, you know, this administration and I think the Obama administration <laughs> used it terribly, but red lines about making it very clear what, you know, China delivering, you know, heavy weapons or anything like that to Russia would mean. Uh, if that means, you know, uh, further engagement, you know, or, or some major uh, announcements on things that we would be doing vis-a-vis Taiwan or in the South Pacific and South China Sea, um, then that, that should be the case. I mean, I know people are like, but, you know, at times you can't just let them keep, um, you know, whacking at us with these little nicks uh, and trying to push us uh, around, and, and, you know, the U.S. is going to have to stand firm on that. And then, um, you know, with Russia, you know, like I said, I, you know, it's, a, it's an open debate a little bit about, you know, how intertwined they want to become or dependent on China, I think, as well. Well, those are wise words. And I think there's a ways that we can create wedges between China and Russia, because I think long term, they don't have any real long term strategic interest in each other. But it's interesting to watch the development. Really wise words. Folks, follow Dustin on Twitter. He is one of the most informed national security folks here. I love watching his Twitter feed, at Dustin Carmack. And, of course, you can follow his great work at the Heritage Foundation, where he writes often and has lots of great ideas. Dustin, great honor to have you on the show. We'll try to get you back on real soon. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Dr. Harvey Rich from Yale University Public Health School going to talk to us about all of the advice that we got during the early pandemic that turned out to be wrong. Masks, vaccine safety, a lot of things coming into clarity. Again, we want to get it right for the future. It's not about shaming people. It's about getting it right for the future. We're going to have a great informed conversation with him right after this commercial break. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. .georgetown.edu slash podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back, America. I think sooner or later, we're going to rename this segment the Dr. Harvey Rich was right again segment. (laughs) I can't tell you the number of times in the last year something has come out in the media debunking what we were all told by the public health establishment and confirming what Dr. Rich told us right here on this show. So we thought, what the heck, we'll bring it back again. Joining us right now from Yale University, I think one of the most important voices in all of science, uh, Dr. Harvey Rich. Doctor, good to have you back on. 
Pleasure to be with you. <laughs> we enjoy having you on. Our audience enjoys having you on. And I was thinking of you this morning. I went to a doctor this morning at the University of Virginia hospital system, and I went to go sign in. And right at the sign-up counter was this big, gigantic sign. And it said, make sure you're wearing a mask because science tells us that masks are a powerful tool for stopping <laughs> the spread of COVID-19. And I thought, i got to get Dr. Rich to come here. Yeah. We, uh, the health establishment cannot give up despite the fact that science tells us that the masks really don't give us any protection. Why do you think those signs are still up, sir? Well, I wondered about this when uh, the head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, was being interviewed by the Congressional Committee and why she stuck to the no science need apply because we already know answer and that masks work. And, and she said that the Cochrane Commission randomized control trial meta-analysis, which showed no benefit whatsoever. Right. She said, well, that's only the randomized control trials. As, you know, no doctor had ever said that in, in, in modern existence. Mm -hmm. So I, I went and looked at the CDC webpage to see that they do indeed have a few studies listed that they claim show benefit. But those studies are cherry picked from more than 150 studies that show that masks are useless for viral respiratory infections. So honestly, I think they are true believers of this idiocy that masks do anything to suppress the source control or provide uh, personal benefit, personal protection for viral respiratory uh, illnesses. They might work for bacteria and they certainly work for dusts. The N95 mask was made for construction dust. So, uh, you know, to, the irrationality of this is just not explainable. Sure yeah, and I think the masks for some people was a virtue signal. You know, it allowed people to immediately and, and without words or anything identify uh, who, who was in their tribe, I suppose. But I wanted to ask you, uh, earlier today during the White House presser, Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre uh, said that calling out Fauci over the origins of COVID, uh, it's been counterproductive and not helpful. Um, now, what's interesting to me about that, though, is that just a few years ago, I remember when criticizing Fauci meant that you were criticizing science. This seems, maybe, now maybe I'm just looking at this through uh, rosy lenses, but it seems like they're softening a little on it. Well, I take a big issue with the word unproductive because we are we need to find justice or counterproductive yeah. we need to find we need to find justice for all of the damage that's been done to our society and to the hundreds of thousands of people and their families that's happened needlessly over this pandemic so you saying you're you're sorry saying it's counterproductive all those things are trying to wave away what is a, a very deep important problem um and I'm, I'm just not willing to, to accept that. I think that that's a big problem trying to, to you know, distract and, and, and saying there's no reason you should call him out. In fact, he was instrumental in providing the funding for the gain of function research. And he apparently signed off on research that was prohibited during the ban on gain of function research that, that was supposed to come to the there was a special committee constructed during that time to yeah. review grants that might actually still be desirable to be carried out even during the ban on gain-of-function work. And that had to go to the special committee, get reviewed, and then go to Fauci for his signature. Apparently, the grants to EcoHealth Alliance did not go to that committee, and they were signed off on, and that's how they kept doing that research that likely ultimately led to, to the development of this damaging virus. Well, I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. That is an amazing fact. Um, 
Doctor, a lot of times the White House, when this comes up, says this is politics, this is politics, this is politics. But there is a true scientific value to understanding the origins and how this escaped, right? We don't want to prevent these mistakes in another future pandemic. Uh, why uh, can't the White House acknowledge that there's a scientific value to the very questions you've been raising from the beginning of this pandemic? Well, once you acknowledge there is a value to those questions, then you have to start acknowledging that somebody was responsible for all of this. Yeah. And that those people who made decisions that led to all of the damage are responsible and have to be investigated for their roles in all of the damage that ensued. So the easiest way around that is to claim that none of that matters and we're going forward. That, that all that matters is we're going forward. You know, that, that we didn't learn anything. We're still funding gain of function research. I understand that Peter Hotez is doing gain of function research, has been doing it all these years. This is going on and we're not stopping it. And the likelihood is that something will get out again from some error in some lab and, and do this all over again. Mm. Well, if we're gonna do it all over again, it seems that it might be with shigalosis. I've seen all <laughs> sorts of headlines uh, saying that this is, uh, it's a gastro disease from what I understand, that it's drug resistant, so everyone needs to go get vaccinated. Have they squeezed all of the juice from the COVID lemon and now they have to move on to something else? Uh, I would reserve judgment and wait and, and see how communicable this is. We've had lots of, of uh, crying wolf ab about pandemics that never materialized, that were limited to very small communities. And I don't think that we're necessarily going to see any major issue with this either, just like the various other ones that we were fear-mongered over and never materialized. But that's how science does it. They wait till they get the facts before they make their declaration. That's the way we should be Aww. doing it. It's, uh, it's remarkable. So I want to ask you about this. It doesn't feel like the public health establishment has really made any changes from what we just went through. America's crying for changes. Experts are crying for changes. What's it going to take? What sort of cardiac paddles have to be applied before we start to make some changes to the mindsets that let us down the last three years? Well, right now, people who are tuning in to the non-state controlled media know that almost one person a day, one young person a day is dying from um, no reason, no given reason right. yeah. and coincidence. And so there's a, a, an increasing knowledge in that part of the general public. When this starts happening to everybody knows somebody, and when it gets to the level of everybody knows somebody that this happened to, uh, you know, a friend, a relative, a friend of a friend, or things like that, then there's going to be a lot more uproar. Then, then it yeah. starts to become personal. A big thank you to Harvey Risch for spending so much time with He's such a great friend of both Amanda Head and I. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jason Brown from Consumer Tax Advocate. They're working on the COVIDTaxRelief.org program. Go check it out where you want to hear this. It's a potential tax credit you might not have been you might not have known you were allowed to take. So we're going to check that out right after this. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. If you've been listening to the show every day, as you have, you've noticed a new partner that we have in our family, the Consumer Tax Advocate. They're doing some amazing work to help small businesses who stuck through the pandemic, kept their employees employed, kept them going to get them some tax relief under some of the unique provisions of recent legislation. And we want to bring that to you firsthand here today so you can really get educated. If you know someone that runs a business or you run a business yourself, like I do, this is an incredible opportunity. And joining us right now is our good friend, Jason Brown, who's a partner of the Consumer Tax Advocate. Jason, great to have you on the show today. John, we've been looking forward to this. Thanks so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate the partnership. You guys have been a, a tremendous part of our sponsorship family, and we're deeply grateful for that. And beyond helping support our journalism and the work we do, you're really helping businesses to realize, hey, there's some money on the table. You're legitimately entitled to it. Don't leave it on the table. Go get it and, and get rewarded for sticking through the very difficult moments of the business world during the pandemic. Before we get started into that opportunity, Opportunity in the COVIDTaxRelief.org website, which everybody has been visiting the last few days. Tell us a little bit about the mission of Consumer Tax Advocate. It has a really important job and a big following. Well, no, and, and you're right. And it's, you know, we all run businesses. And one of the, one of the, the challenges that businesses face, which we believe truly businesses are the heartbeat of America. They're, the, they're what keeps people, you know, food on people's tables and, you know, all the way from from the one to two employees up to huge corporations. And, but one of the challenges people face is just keeping the money, right? Learning, Hey, how much, you know, how much can I save on taxes? What benefits are available to us as business owners? How, how do I actually keep more of the money I earn? And so that's what we've done for the past seven years is working with companies, making sure that, they keep, they get everything they're owed, right? That they're not paying more than they need to. And uh, it, it's been incredibly successful. And, and so, as you mentioned most recently, um, with some of the, the COVID um, stimulus money that's available to help those business owners that retain their employees during 2020 and 2021, it's rewarding for us to see those businesses receive that money. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it, it's obviously we're in business to make money, but at the same time, when, when you're helping businesses out like this, it's extremely rewarding. Oh, it is. It is. And we went right from the pandemic into other crises with the rapid growth of inflation, the rapid tightness in the labor market, which is putting pressure on that. And then, of course, interest rates go up and money gets more expensive to borrow. So the programs that you guys are introducing to small business owners, to regular business owners, really can be a great buffer in this moment of significant economic turmoil. Tell us a little bit about the origins of some of this, this relief that you're able to get from the government and that, and that you help people go, go get. Yeah. So look, let's, let's jump back. Um, gosh, three years now, right? Let's jump back. In fact, it's almost exactly three years, March 27th of 2020. 
um, that's when the world was kind of going, okay, well, at least here in the States, right? All of a sudden it was like, wait, the kids are on spring break. They're not coming back from spring break. The schools are going to close. Um, businesses were deemed essential or non-essential. Those were new terms right, for COVID. Like, oh, you're a non-essential business. Um, and all of a sudden then the government started putting um, – mandates out that you had to close or you had to partially close. If you're a restaurant, you could do takeout or drive through, but you cannot do in-room dining anymore. And, um, you know, a lot of pretty much, you can make a case that almost every business out there was, was about to be affected. And so um, under president Trump, they came out with the the cares act, which was the $2.2 trillion stimulus package business owners and it was it was to help everybody get through the upcoming pandemic and part of that 2.2 trillion in the cares act was ppp loans um and of course that was widely known right john i mean pretty much everybody heard about ppp whether they did it or not it was extremely beneficial for many businesses however it was very scrutinized by some saying hey listen there's a lot of fraud in it and you know, um, people really taking advantage of money that they weren't owed or due. But, but again, it did. And I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of that. We didn't do anything with PPP ourselves and CTA, but um, we saw many businesses that, that were able to be, you know, retain their employees because of that money. Um, and the reason everyone heard of PPP at the time was because it was being marketed through the banks and lending institutions, they were actually making a commission. And so if you were a business owner, you were getting phone calls from lenders, you were getting your social media feed was full, right? It was it was heavily marketed because it was super lucrative for them um, to get those loans out the door. What people didn't realize is inside the CARES Act, there was another stimulus called the ERC or the Employee Retention Credit which actually would give you more money than PPP. It wasn't a loan that you had to get forgiven or paid back. It wasn't a grant where you're told how you have to spend the money, John, but it's a check. Here you go. It's based off wages paid. Um, But the government said at the time, you can either do PPP or ERC. You cannot do both. And because everybody already did PPP, they didn't hear about ERC. And so, Essentially, for two years, it went it went undetected. It just sat there. And we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars that these business owners who retained their W-2 employees could have taken advantage of, but they never heard about it. Um, I know I'm giving you a real long answer here, but I'm, I'm hopefully <laughs> circling this all back in. Um, so it, in, in 2021, the government says, what are we going to do? We got to get this money out the door. It's already allocated. We're not paying it. We're not giving it back. Certainly this is part of the cares act. It's already out there. What do we have to do to get businesses to take this money? And they realized they, they went through several legislation changes, John, by trying to lower the requirements, widen the funnel, increase the amount, and none of it was working because they finally realized, well, gosh, we got to remove that that rule that says if you did PPP that you couldn't do the ERC. So as soon as they took that restriction off, 
that blew the hinges off the door. Now we, we're able to help almost every business out there that retain their W-2 employees, even if they took PPP back in 2020, there were multiple rounds of it. It doesn't matter. Even if you took PPP loan, whether it was forgiven or paid back, doesn't matter. Um, you, you are now eligible to receive the employee retention credit. That is a remarkable thing and something that I think could benefit so many people. And really, all you had to do was have kept your employees going during that difficult time. And this is not a loan, right? It's not a forgivable loan. This is just a tax credit, right, that you're entitled to take. It is. So it was, it's a tax credit. However, since the program is over, it's just for 2020 and 2021, um, rather than it being a credit on future taxes, it comes in the form of a check from the U.S. Treasury. And uh, so it is. It's exciting. I mean, every day I'm getting clients taking pictures of these checks with their cell phone. Um, and, and look, now we're not just talking a few dollars. I mean, businesses can receive up to $26,000 per employee that they retain during, the, during 2020 and 2021. So it's pretty significant. You have these businesses with four and four, five employees, and they're getting a check for a hundred, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. People with ten to twelve employees are getting, you know, two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollar checks. And of course, then you know the folks that have, you know, twenty-five, fifty employees. I mean, we're seeing checks for for mil, million dollar plus for those businesses. Yeah, that's a big help. And with all the other challenges in the economy today, that is money that can be put to good use to keep your employees going or to hire or to make changes in a turbulent economy right now. You guys have set up this incredibly easy website to remember. It's not that hard at all to remember. It's simply covidtaxrelief.org. Covidtaxrelief.org. Folks, go check this out. It is a tremendous resource. When someone gets there, what's the process for them to get onboarded and to get you guys to help them out. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, go to covidtaxrelief.org. Um, there's an 800 number on there. You're more than welcome to call. Um, but obviously when, when shows and podcasts like this air, I mean, our phone lines are melting with everybody calling in. So if you don't want to wait on hold for a few minutes, there's a spot on the website where you can just type in your information and we will call you back, right? We'll call you within 24 hours. But you'll get to you'll get to speak with one of our experts. This legislation, John, is over 200 pages long. And if you don't speak IRS slash attorney, you will not understand any of it. And so but our folks, they'll take you through a short questionnaire that asks just a couple um, non evasive questions about your business. And we'll be able to determine these. This questionnaire parallels the IRS um, qualification guidelines. And we'll be able to tell you within just a couple minutes if you qualify, number one, and how much you would qualify for. And uh, we'll take you by the hand and walk you through all the way through the finish line and get it submitted for you. And uh, it's really kind of a painless process. We have it refined. I mean, we, we've been fortunate to submit um, a, few, a little over 25,000 businesses um, and, and get back to our business owners over $4 billion in credits just just over the past uh, year and a half. So it's exciting. That's really exciting. What is the window left? Because obviously all these programs have a window. How much time is left? Is the sand clock ticking for companies to take advantage of this? 
It is. Yeah. And, and look, does it end tomorrow? No, it doesn't. We, we have three years from that tax uh, filing date to amend and, and claim this credit. Okay. So for 2020, the, the, you know, taxes are due for 2020 on April 15th of 2021. So that year will drop off April 15th of 2023. So have one year left to file for 2020. Um, and then April 15th of 2025 is when uh, 2021 will drop off. So we have, we have about two years, but look, my advice to folks is don't wait. There, there's no reason to wait. The, we all know when you're dealing with the IRS, there's, no consistency or rhyme or reason, they could end it. They, they could end it at any time and say, okay, hey, look, um, we're not taking any more filings. We're not taking any more requests for the ERC. And so even though logistically on paper, it looks like we have about 24 months, 25 months left, but you don't know, right? It would be unprecedented, but they could certainly end it at any time, John. Yeah, and also, why let that cash sit on the table? It could go to good use this year. Don't wait the next year. If you could put it to use this year, you get more flexibility when to spend it. And I think that's what's so exciting about what you guys have done. It, and you don't pay anything up front, right? There's no cost up front. You guys enjoy in the reward if a company secures that, right? You're you're right. We don't ask for a form of payment. We'll go through. We'll 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 analyze your payroll documents and figure out exactly what you qualify for, and then uh, we'll even take our fee as a percentage out of the credit when you get it. So we just don't want there to be any barrier to entry. What I will tell you, and I, again, we have a lot of people call in that um, maybe maybe they paid all their folks 1099, right? Independent contractors. Unfortunately, John, those do not qualify. This is only for those businesses that have W-2 employees, but that does include even nonprofits, not-for-profits, that includes churches. Um, you bet. I mean, those, those folks, look, because of the restrictions and things that, that they had to deal with, they were affected. And so they had supply chain issues. They, would, they also received mandates. They had revenue reductions. And so those are the things that actually qualify businesses for this. And um, the only ones who cannot do it again are those that are again, sole proprietors or they pay 1099 to their folks. Um, the other are, if you're a, if you're a government entity, right? Like they can't receive stimulus from themselves essentially. So like a, a municipality or something like that would not qualify. Yeah. That's very important. This is a really great opportunity, folks. Check it out. It's a very simple place to go to, covidtaxrelief.org. Everything you need to know is sitting right there, and you get started. It doesn't take you much time, and you're on your way to success, thanks to our good friends at Consumer Tax Advocate. Jason, what a great opportunity to have a discussion. I think we opened a lot of people's eyes today, and it's really just one click away, folks. All you got to do is go check out the website at www.covidtaxrelief.org, covidtaxrelief.org. That's pretty easy to remember. Jason, a big thanks for the partnership, a big thanks for helping all of us in America take advantage of a program we might not have known about. It's a big help to all of us. Well, John, we appreciate the partnership, and we you know, look forward to continuing to work with you, and thanks for having us on. We really appreciate you. Yeah, it's a great honor to have you on, and we're going to keep working together. That's a great, great opportunity. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. A big thank you to Dustin Carmack, to Dr. Harvey Rich, and, of course, to Jason Brown. If you want to hear one more time, write this down. Don't lose this. 
covidtaxrelief.org. Covidtaxrelief.org is the place where you can go to find out if your company is entitled to take that tax credit for the employee retention credit, keeping your employees hired fully during the pandemic when so many of us struggled as small companies, big companies, everyone in between. A really interesting tax credit to check out. You may be eligible. The folks at covidtaxrelief.org are experts. They'll give you a straight answer and help you on the path towards determining whether you qualified. That was a really great conversation. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, may God bless you. And of course, may God bless this incredible country of the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.